Welcome to the Youth School Podcast, where we believe inside of everybody there is a great story waiting to be discovered and lived. This is the show where we guide you on your journey in discovering what your story could be. It's your life. Don't let anybody else write it. Well, hey, this is Scott Schimmel, and I am the host for today's podcast for the U School. And we have made a shift this month to talk about a different principle. And the principle that we are focusing on, I don't know if it's really a crowd pleaser, but it's, 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 uh, it's not about you. That's the, that's the principle. And underneath that principle is this idea that you have something to contribute. You have strength, you have talent, you have gifts, you have energy, you've got a story but it's not for you. It's not just for your enjoyment. It's not just for your pleasure. The idea is that you would figure out who you are, what your gifts are, and then put those to the service of others. And so I'm, I'm really thrilled today to have a good friend and very special guest, Kyle Bucket, on the show. Kyle and I got to know each other probably a year and a half, two years ago, as he yeah. participated in a transition program uh, with the Navy, getting out of the Navy. So I'm gonna stop there, let Kyle share his story, and uh, thanks for being on, Kyle. So tell oh, us thanks so much for having me. So today's not about you, but I'm going <laughs> to Exactly. <laughs> tell us all about you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So I grew up about 45 minutes north of Manhattan, New York City. Uh, I was the oldest of five kids. I have two beautiful and loving parents who I have such a great relationship and, and really honed me into the man I am today, and I'm forever thankful. Shout out and, to him. Yeah, big shout out. I'm forever grateful for him. Uh, so my dad comes home, and I, from an early age, I was a very, I was an entrepreneur from an early, early age. You know, ten years old, I get, a, I get a paper route. Right around twelve, I start a small car washing business. Hmm. Around fourteen, I started a computer repair shop where me and my buddy would go around town and install windows on uh, elderly people's <laughs> we go around town install windows on elderly people's uh, so uh computers and then give them like yeah <laughs> remember those yeah remember those? so uh, you know how do i install windows on this pc and then we'd so go over good. show them how to do it it's pretty funny so but the reason why i bring that up is because my dad comes home now by the time i'm like 14 i had started a couple of endeavors but my dad comes home one day and he goes hey man I, uh, I need you to, you're really going to have to step up your game with the family and help out the family. Hmm. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you mean, dad? And he goes, well, I, I quit my job today because I just got accepted to medical school. Oh, so one of his lifelong dreams, he was, uh, he was running the media and photography department at Stirring Cancer Hospital in uh, Manhattan at the okay. time. And, you know, he loved photography, he loved media and everything, but huh. But back then, he was like, really had this passion for actually being in medicine, not just mm -hmm. capturing medicine. So five kids, mind you, I'm the oldest of five at like 14 years old. And my dad's like, hey, you're going to really need to step up your game and help out around the house because I just quit. And mm -hmm. mom's working full time. I'm going to be going to school full time. And I'm going to be working part. And my dad's like, I'm going to be working part time at night. Wow. So I'm like, you've got to be kidding wow. me, dad. So now I'm five years, I'm the oldest of five. I'm now tasked with taking care of 
all of my younger yeah, brothers. Yeah, you learned that lesson early. It's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So at the at the time, I'm like, God, I'm, I was a punk. I was rebellious. I didn't I didn't want it. I wanted to be hanging out with my friends or working on my mm-hmm. endeavors. But looking back, man, the courage that it took my dad to quit a very very stable job. Mm-hmm. Um, a very stable job for the courage it took him to, to chance it on going back to school Wow, with five kids, a wife, I mean, a mor- and a mortgage. It's yeah. just incredible. Wow. Incredible. So by the time I was 18, uh, I was obviously ready to get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> I mean, I want, it I is wanted- about me now. It's my time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, my senior year of high school, I- I'm like, I had to get out of here. So eventually, uh, after about, I think it was October of that year of 99, I finally enlisted in the Navy and I flew away and, mm. uh, I haven't, I haven't been back. And so I had this, uh, my dad comes home one day, let me go back a little bit. Uh, my dad comes home one day, my senior year of high school, and, uh, he knew I was thinking about getting out of Dodge and I was looking at joining the army, mm. right? And I really, uh, you know, Chuck Norris, uh, <laughs> Delta Force movie, yeah. big. Um, dude, enough said, right? <laughs> and so my dad comes home with this book and he goes, hey, man, I, you really love the water. You love everything about mm. the water. You love being in it all the time. You got to check these guys out. And I'm mm. like, well, what is this? He's like, they're, they're called Navy SEALs. It's not really. Now, mind you, this is the 90s. So right. we didn't have a lot of publicity. Like, right. how? Just Charlie right? Yeah, we had Charlie Sheen, and I eventually read or watched that movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. cemented it. But my dad brought me this book, and it was uh, Rogue. I'm embarrassed to say it, but it was Rogue Warrior, Ooh. Dick Marchinko. And so I spent, <laughs> yeah, I spent all night that night, like till four or five in the morning. Mm. Pow- I powered through the entire book. Wow, the entire book. I read it all, cover to cover, and. My mom comes up. I'm sitting at the dining room table the next morning. And my mom comes out. She's like, wow, you're up early. And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just getting some oatmeal. She's like, where are you going? I'm like, getting ready for a run. (laughs) You know, she's like, well, why? What's going on? It's like, well, mom, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. (laughs) And then you hear my mom like, Bill, (laughs) what'd you do now? What'd you you do? (laughs) What'd you give him? And uh, my dad's over in the corner, like chuckling, you know, <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. You know, um, wow. I dropped the idea of joining the army. I, that night I decided I want to become a Navy SEAL. And what was it? What was it that grabbed you? It was literally, I thought back then that I was going to be doing uh, maritime operations. Mm-hmm. I was going to be, you know, jumping out of a plane into the ocean off yeah. the coast of, you know, Somal or something, you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. I really thought I was going to be in and around the water quite a bit. Well, yeah. fast forward a couple of years later, 9-11 happens and I've been <laughs> seeing the water in, you know, 17 years. Damn landlocked <laughs> countries. <laughs> yeah. So pretty funny. Uh, you know, like I, I really was one of those, was one of those guys that really wanted to be in and around the water. Yeah. And even still, you know, I love, I love doing those type of, of training when we do them. I love it and uh, I really enjoy it. But uh, yeah, I didn't for the land, if you will. <laughs> so this is going to be such an obvious question, but 
having not served in the military, not been in the Navy, what for you, how, in what ways has the Navy either reinforced that lesson of it's not about you or, or what specifically has it taught you? Well, you know, the biggest thing is the second, from the second you begin training, especially in our community, uh, you really understand and learn teamwork. Okay. And it's all about the team. It's not about the individual. From, from your, your swim pair, from the mm -hmm. very beginning of being a, in a swim pair with your, mm -hmm. with your buddy, to a, a fire team or a boat crew, to a, you know, a squad or a, a platoon, okay. every single one of those elements, whether it's a two-man element all the way up to like an 18 or 20 or even, you know, a 50-man element, from the very beginning, it's not just about you. It's about your your swim buddy as okay. well. Like if okay. it doesn't matter how fast of a swimmer or runner I am, if my pal right next to me uh, can't keep up or I can't keep up, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah. And in terms of running, it was usually I couldn't keep up. <laughs> I'll be honest. You know? so Wait for me. Demons. There's some speed demons in our community, but um. Yeah, so it's it you learn teamwork from the very beginning, and because of that, of it's nonstop and bred in each and every one of us. Yeah, you, you fully understand and you realize as you as you progress through your career how important that teamwork is for good productivity. Right? No, I, I've been a part of it back in as school. well as as well as real quick as well as long, longevity, right? Okay. Um, you what know, you mean I meaning like, Hey, if we, if we pull an individual out, the whole thing can't collapse. Okay. Right. So this, the mission still needs to continue. Okay. So it's not a, it's truly not about any one individual and it never should be because if a guy's sick or a guy's hurt or a guy's injured and we have to pull a guy off of a mission or out of training, it's still, the train has to kill still keep moving. Well, that's so different than let's say my experience of team, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of group projects back in college where you've right. got this random assignment to do a project the next semester with five people and it's classic. There's two people that never do anything and then there's one or two people that does everything and then someone that's just annoying the whole time. That's different than what you're talking about because, you know, right. in, that, in that scenario, half the team is, is dispensable. Right. Right. And is that unique to the SEAL teams in terms of that idea? If we pull someone out, everyone has to fold back in. Um, I, I would say it's not. I, I really don't think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I believe I've seen it from all of the other special forces communities as well. Mm -hmm. So we're not alone. You know, uh, the guys in the, in the green beanies, they, they do a great job of teamwork. Uh, MARSOC as well as AFSOC, they all do a phenomenal job. Uh, so it's definitely not us. I mean, it's definitely not just us. It's the entire military as a whole, really. You okay. know, it really is. Yeah. In, in, the, in the workplace, there's been this, I'd call it a revolution for the past 10, 15 years uh, around strengths-based leadership. And, and Gallup, this research body, really came out in probably early 2000s and said, no longer try to become a well-rounded person the purpose of life and, and everything's going to go better. If you if you find your lane and you stay in it, you find your talents, develop your strengths and go after it. Is that what's different about your experience in the Navy uh, from so, that approach? I, I love, I love talking about this because we had, we are getting better. We really are getting better. 
But at the same time, we don't necessarily utilize everyone's strengths from, from that perspective mm-hmm. as well as we could, okay. you know, and because, and, and here's why some of these strengths, uh, you know, albeit can be very productive for certain individuals, mm-hmm. but sometimes might be perceived as going against our internal ethos. Okay. So for, for example, uh, a guy or gal that is born with the, the strength or individual motivation of recognition, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've noticed that there's plenty of people out there that are, that are driven by recognition and it's not an evil thing. Right. It really isn't. Right. Um, and so we, we as a community in the military, as, as servant leaders, as, as servants ourselves mm-hmm. as in service, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we don't really reward or appreciate some of those individual talents okay. or mo- motivators, if you okay. will. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so we've done a, a, a bad job in times, uh, in certain times of really going, Hey, this individual has a great strength mm. in X, Y, or Z. I mean, you name it, but that doesn't necessarily fit within our culture. Okay. Sometimes don't do a great job of, of really capitalizing on that. Cause I think part of the caricature that at least that I've had from, let's say movies or, uh, stories has been, if you get in the military, it doesn't, we don't care what you're naturally good at. We're going to give you a job. And we're not, you know, and you're gonna have to do the job well. That's all that matters. Exactly, exactly. And it's challenging from a from a Manning and HR perspective. It's oh, yeah. really challenging. Like if you if one of your guys, it's easy on on some of the Gallup strengths, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone's a strong communicator, that's an easy one for mm-hmm. the military. Hey, mm-hmm. this guy's probably going to be in a position of leadership. Uh, maybe he's going to be a great officer mm-hmm. uh, in the community. That's an easy one or competition again, an okay. easy one for yep. us to do a really good with, but yep. what about, but what about the guy that that's futuristic? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And his job, he's brand new in the community. He doesn't understand everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, and how could he, it takes years. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I've been, I'm almost at 20 years and I definitely feel like I've, I've learned more <laughs> in the last year than I ever have before. Right. So, uh, it can be a challenge for us to properly uh, develop an yeah. individual first and then also really capitalize on specific strengths so yeah. early because there's so much that it takes. I mean, for our community in the SEAL community, it's about three years of, uh, of a pipeline before you're actually three, maybe three and a half years hmm. before you're actually getting deployed, hmm. you know, of nonstop schooling and education. And then you go on a deployment, and then, then you've done, as we joke, you always say is, you've done one deployment. Okay. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Now let's get back to it again and learn again. So, I mean, it could take six to eight years for a guy to really hone his craft and get good at the individual shooter level. And now, okay, hmm. now he's possibly getting ready for more leadership for us to go, okay, hey, this guy is really, really has a strength. And I'm just using futuristic as an example yeah. to go, okay, now he's going to be, you know, honing in on projections for our community. It's, it's tough. Yeah. It's yeah. Tough. Well, I'm curious to your perspective on uh, military transition, because one of the shifts that it seems like veterans need to make as they go into the civilian workplace 
is now we need to we need to position you to talk about your strengths to highlight them to own them to be proud of them to have many different examples of them in an interview situation and i've i've just observed that for some maybe many it, that's a difficult thing because you your ethos is is by and large very humble and who am i um the next guy is better than me at many things so i'm still learning have you seen that or do you, have you struggled with that in the beginning stages of your transition um not yet because i'm i'm still going through it mm-hmm. um so not not too much yet yeah fair yeah 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 and what do you does that feel com- comfortable for you to talk about your strengths yeah 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 i uh i i'm i feel confident in talking about my strengths um and you know it's funny i remember when you and i first talked about my strengths you asked me that you asked me that and i was like you know there wasn't really any surprises Hmm. (laughs) you know competition is rooted in in comparison and that's you know can sum up me quite a bit Uh i i feel like i'm a i'm a good communicator Mm -hmm. and and you know my one of my other ones is is woo i think woo was one of my most powerful Mm -hmm. honestly Mm -hmm. um for kind of maybe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know me I, I like I really enjoy meeting new people yeah. and um and and no one's a stranger I really yeah. enjoy uh being around a, a group or walking into a group where I know nobody um mm-hmm. I enjoy it I'm very comfortable in that scenario um as well as you know uh, now here's another one Scott you know mine one of my strengths is futuristic uh, I really love peering over the horizon and looking mm-hmm. towards the future. Mm-hmm. I always have. I think I always will. It, it excites me. Um, you know, I, I sometimes see things in detail where the future might hold it. Now, uh, I haven't done it on the civilian side that much. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to. I'm mm-hmm. about to put it to the test. Um, so ask me in three, four years, yeah. we can go back to this conversation. You can be like, well, you're, not yeah. that good pal you were way off yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey 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 buck calm down you weren't yeah really good. <laughs> stay in the moment stay in the moment <laughs> yeah. so you're talking oh. about that three three and a half years of preparation before deployment um that's a lot of time and i'm and I'm not putting words in your mouth but it it would it seem to me that what happens to someone is that they they've changed they've they've actually become different in terms of how they think and it's not it's it's now natural for them to think differently and act differently am i saying that right am i saying that well uh yeah it's technic uh their technical action is definitely going to be changed for sure okay. uh their thought process uh because now they're inbred in our culture mm-hmm. their thought process their mentality their eyes i would say I would say your eyes are just are open wider. Okay. Really, you know, cause you see so much more of the world. Uh, you see our, you see a lot of things through our viewpoint, through our lens mm-hmm. as a team. Um, and so your eyes really open. Uh, for me, I'll never, you know, I'll never forget, you know, going through my first, you know, workup and just seeing stuff through the lens of, you know, my platoon chief or my LPO 
And it just changes your, your perspective changes because now you have a bigger, a wider view. But, hmm. your, but your, your, your initial thought process or your belief system hmm. uh, definitely doesn't really change. Okay. So you're the only thing you're diff, you're looking through a different lens because yeah. you have a wider view. But most of the time, I would I would say every most of the guys, and I can't speak for everybody. I'm just speaking for myself. Then, sure. Honestly, I would say my belief system uh, did not really change much. Okay. Um, my eyes were opened wider, yeah. but my personal belief system, you know, the good old core values of, of honesty, integrity, and sure. commitment to our jobs. Um, you know, those don't really change for, for individuals. I guess what I'm, what I'm thinking about is that in, in many ways, the, those three, three and a half years, it, it's a school, right? It's a school of teaching you both tactics, behaviors, but also attitude and mindset. And mm-hmm. When it comes to, let's say, if we had the chance to Google right now the problem of millennials in the workplace, you would the first thing you'd read in tens of thousands of articles and videos is typically the word entitlement. And the entitlement means it is about me. <laughs> that's that's the definition yeah. of it. And so, uh, you know, there isn't a school for that. Maybe or maybe there is a school. There's a school to teach you how to be entitled. <laughs> it's yeah. traditional education, well, American system. You know, we, everyone, everyone kind of feels that way. I I think the, this is my personal belief again. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that the entitlements just kind of shifted to different areas. So the entitlement that was around for, Hey, I'm going to have a long term job, a 401k if I work hard, that entitlement was big back in the 80s and the early 90s. Gen Xers. Yeah, sure. Sure. Whereas now the entitlement for the, for the workforce coming out of college, in my opinion, again, is more about an instantaneous gratification mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's just kind of changed and a lot of people don't necessarily like it. Yeah. I've, I've seen, me. I agree. I've having worked with college kids for so many years. I've seen, I don't know what the percentage is, 80, 90, 95% when they get their first job, the first few months or first couple of years, if you were to check in with them, having been really bright-eyed junior and senior in college, but now a year into their career, what I hear a lot is, it's not complaining, but it's more the sobriety of, uh, well, I'm not an executive yet, or I'm not making decisions yet, or they keep having me do stuff that I don't enjoy doing. When is this ever going to end? It's just like a lot of beleaguered, almost languishing in that, in that phase. And I think a big part of that is, because in college we haven't, we haven't necessarily taught them or, or said loud enough or long enough. It's really not about you for a long time. I mean, maybe it will be someday. Maybe you will be the decision maker. You'll be able to have freedom that you long for, but for the next X number of years or decades, it's going to require that you put others before you. Well said. Boom. Like <laughs> <laughs> <Mike> drop. <laughs> so, yeah, back so, to- so let me ask you a question. Actually, yeah, please Matt. do. So, so that being said, what's, mm-hmm. what's some good hacks that you guys are now uh, over at, you know, your, your entire yeah. team? What's some good little hacks that you were telling uh, employers? Are you saying, are you guys more saying, hey, set expectations up front to mm-hmm. kind of combat that? Or, yeah. or what are you guys doing? Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Um, we do share a lot. Clear expectations are everything. 
defining and illustrating what success looks like is everything as you, especially as you bring someone on or someone in that goes for uh, students in a school, employees in an office, make sure you're excessively clear that this is what it's going to be like. And we expect you to do these things. And, and we want to interpret for you that when you feel beleaguered, when you feel like it's not about you, you're actually feeling what you should be feeling because it's not. <laughs> and um, in addition to that, I think there's one of the problems with older managers and younger employees that I've seen is uh, I didn't get it when I was their age. Therefore, they should have to suck it up too. And oh, yeah. what I hear from the millennials, people entering the workforce now, uh, I don't hear entitlement. I think I, I think I hear them asking for effective leadership. <laughs> Meaning, oh, like, I agree. I want you to develop me. I want you to come alongside me and show me what I'm doing. I want to know what's expected of me. I want you to give me feedback. <laughs> I mean, that's like if you just remove the generations there and and yeah. listen to what they're asking for. That's that's great stuff. And oh, um, I agree. Yeah, and, and I and I yeah. think there's a lot of older folks that uh, they get contemptuous towards the younger generation, and they don't need to. Yeah, yeah, I agree. In fact, I've seen a lot of um, a lot of people get really frustrated lately uh, about the younger workforce, saying in terms of the entitlement or in terms of the work ethic. And and you know, honestly, in my opinion, I mean, the work ethic's just different. It's just different. I don't, I personally, you know, you find the right, the right people yeah. and the work ethics just different. Meaning, meaning a lot of people want them to work hard from nine to five uh-huh. and the younger generation is going like, Hey, I'm going to work my butt, but like, what's the deal with it? Why does it have to be right. these hours? Right. You know? Right. And what if I want to do it five to nine? Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, what if I want to work? you know, seven to 10 and then five or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And whatever the hours are, I, th- I think a lot of, of our older generation is really focused on certain metrics that mean a lot to them and they're, and yeah. they're disguising it as work ethic. And, and I just haven't, I just got to disagree with a lot of them. Well, maybe to tie that together, what you're saying is there has been a way to do things. There's been a way to do work. There's a culture in this organization or company and now we have a different group of people coming in with different expectations, different ways of doing things. And so that message of it's not about you actually applies to both sides. Right. It's not right. just a message for young people. It's also a message of, hey, it's not about the way you've always done things. It's actually about you learning about your employees and flexing and building something that actually helps them to thrive. So if they can yeah. both on both sides be bending in that direction, that could, be, that could be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I've seen, and you go to, you go, man, we went up to last year. I went, we went to Google, uh, Facebook, yeah. Oracle, Dropbox, and you walk into this, some of these big companies and these are the cool hip companies, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the, the cutting edge of, of hipster millennials, Gen X, you know, the young generation, there's a lot. I mean, dang, when we were walking around Facebook, I felt old, <laughs> really, really old. But you know what's happening there, bro? Those kids are working from like seven in the morning till like ten at night. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna tell me that's not work ethic, yeah. I'm, okay, right? <laughs> okay, right. It's so true. It's a great point. You know, so it's it's just different. It's just different, and uh, 
I think the biggest frustration I've seen because I have an office manager in one of my businesses, uh, my mother-in-law, she is awesome. I love her to death, <laughs> but she's, she's old guard, right? She's mm-hmm. old guard. And she gets so frustrated. I'm like, and I have to go, Jen, you know, you're just getting frustrated because it's not, you're not frustrated on the work ethic. You're frustrated on the how. Yeah. Who ca- you know, who cares right. if this person, I mean, look at their schedule. They're working 48 hours this week. Yeah. But you're getting frustrated because they weren't working from 9 a.m. till yeah. 11 a.m. Yeah. Dude, that's 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> 48 hours. Yeah. You know, that their generation, you know, our parents' generation, they were only working 40. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's a great point. I, uh, not to switch gears necessarily, but keeping on the theme of it's not about you. I know one thing I've both been impressed by, but also so grateful for is your work alongside and, and leading now one more wave. Would you tell us about what that is, how you got oh, into man. it? I would love to. So uh, a couple of years ago, 2014, uh, one of my uh, buddies uh, at the at the team with me was in a um, was in a firefight in a helicopter. And he, long story short, uh, he had to get medevaced to Germany. Hmm. And while he was in Germany, uh, I'll never forget it. One of my buddies gave me the call that uh, they were going to take his leg. Uh, oh, and it was going to be a very, very high leg amputation. Very high. Wow. So now let's, fat, let's rewind a year ago before this. A year ago before this all happened, I had met the guy. I had met Jimmy. And I had seen him surfing in San Diego. And I was like, hey, who's that kid out there surfing? That kid's ripping. Hmm. Who is that? Because, you know, we're, although we're team guys, so not many of us are really good surfers, although we think we are. <laughs> uh, so I see. Did I lose you, buddy? Not at all. I'm oh, still here. I'm tracking. So I see. I see Jimmy surfing, and I go, "Hey, who's that guy?" And I, he and I develop a friendship. We start surfing together because he was good. He was a hmm. really good surfer. Hmm. And now, fast forward a year later, I get the phone call that they're going to take his leg. And I immediately start thinking about surfing and, you know, how much that means to me to be able to go out and, and surf and enjoy nature yeah, uh, and just enjoy the waves. And I was like, man, what? And then honestly, I went straight into selfish mode, selfish mm-hmm. buck, started thinking about myself and I started thinking about myself and what it would mean to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't even thinking about James. I was thinking about me. And I was like, you know, what would this mean to me if I, if this happened to me, I would lose that outlet in surfing. I would become depressed. It would affect mm. my family. Like yeah. if I can't surf, sometimes I get a little cranky if I haven't <laughs> water in a couple of weeks, you know, cranky buck. And uh, I was like, you know, if I, if I, if this got removed from my life, how would this affect my wife and my kids? Mm. And I went into a dark place. I really did. I started getting a little depressed just thinking about it. Then I went back to thinking about James and I was worrying about him. I said, man, we got to do something. Now I'm on deployment, so I'm busy. Uh, I get back from deployment and I find out that uh, another team guy had started something called One More Wave. Uh, And he had started it with James. And so I I start, I'm like, I wanted to do something. 
this guy's already started to do it. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, we'll put two and two together. So do a little digging. I'm busy. He's busy. Finally, I, I just, I walk into his office and I'm like, Hey, are you Alex? I didn't mm-hmm. know. Him. I didn't even really? know. Him. I walked into his office. I'm like, are you Alex? He's like, yeah. I'm like, Hey man, I'm Buck. You don't know me from Adam. I talked to Jimmy. Told me what you're doing. Dude, I've got to help. How can I help? Mm. And he's like, well, dude, uh, that'd be great. Uh, I could tell he was a little apprehensive. Mm-hmm. Like, Who the heck are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, of course. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, all I want to do is help. I just want to help. Please, please, please um, let me help. How can I help? Yeah. So I did. And, and uh, he accepted. Alex accepted me into the fold. And, uh, and I started helping. And what One More Wave is, is we build customized surfing equipment for wounded and disabled veterans in an effort for them to achieve surf therapy, hmm. which we've seen numerous, numerous, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of documents and reports from the medical world on how recreational therapy is very beneficial yeah. for for uh, individuals who are either amputees or have some type of military uh, wound mm-hmm. or, or don't, but veterans that have, you know, PTSD, mm-hmm. um, TBI, uh, you know, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, or maybe even, you know, some type of disease or, mm. or, uh, or something that they might be dealing with. And so, you know, through sports therapy, sports recreational therapy, you know, we, we've seen great benefits. Wow. I personally believe that surfing is the best form of yeah. <laughs> number one. No, you're not so biased at all. Yeah, I'm not biased. <laughs> totally biased. But totally biased. But our but what we do is we build this equipment which really enables them to get mm. one more wave and catch more waves, have more fun, you know, by by changing the buoyancy uh, on uh, on a board. We're changing the fin placement, moving huh. it around, giving them divots. Maybe we have to put a carbon fiber inlay on the top of a board so that their prosthetic is not okay. crushing through it and breaking the board in two. Wow. Because uh, sometimes, you know, a prosthetic can be really hard and abusive on equipment. So what we do is we build it all out. In fact, we don't just do surfboards. We also do wetsuits as well. We have huh. a guy who has to uh, relieve himself through a site on his abdomen. So whenever he had to in the past, he's, he's a double leg amputee. Hmm. Whenever he would have to relieve himself, he would have to get up out of the water, walk up to his bag, get his tube out of his bag because he couldn't have nowhere to put it. He'd have to get his tube out of his bag, pull his wetsuit down. Jeez. He's, if he's surfing in like Rhode Island or Boston in the winter, it's freaking cold. Yeah. So by the time he does this entire process, you know, he's over it. He's just like, look, totally. right. the surf. he doesn't have any legs. He's like, yeah. dude, I'm not going back out. Screw it. Yeah. But now through us and what we've done is we built a little, a little pouch on there on his mm. wetsuit. So you can carry the thing in the water. It's got no a way. custom zipper just for him and as well as another one on the front of his wetsuit. So he can access Jeez. his site and you know, it's and, game changer. And then we put double cinches down on the bottom at a uh, pass where his um his legs were amputated. So I mean, it's chain is small changes like that yeah. that really uh, enable guys to have more fun and and do more and more. What do you see that do for guys? What do you hear them say? What do you see on their face? 
You know, this is, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, literally one of my favorite stories. We had a guy, this is a, a couple, a year ago, a year ago. Uh, he told me this story and it, it blew me away and I'd love to share it with you. Yeah. So he up at Pendleton, about 45 minutes north of San Diego. Uh, he lived not far off. He was right outside a base and okay. he was near one of the mortar ranges. Uh, his apartment was near the mortar ranges. And whenever the mortar range would fire off, he, he would, he had major PTS. Yes. Mm. So whenever this mortar range would fire off, he would just go and run and hunker in his closet for hours and just wow. rock, rocking back and Jeez. forth for hours. Okay. Yeah. So this one, uh, one day he's like, I'm going surfing tomorrow. He's all pumped. He gets his stuff, throws it in his truck the night before. Uh, he's all fired up and excited to go surfing the next day. The next day, breakfast, he's all excited. He's getting ready to go surf and the mortar range fires off. Mm. So he freaks out a little bit, not a little bit, a lot. Mm -hmm. He freaks out a lot, runs to his closet. And then he's like, ah, my board's outside in my truck. Mm. Crap. He's freaking out. He's freaking out, but he's like, I gotta go. I, I was, I was looking forward to this all day yesterday. I gotta get down to the water. I gotta get down there. So he musters up enough courage. I think he put, I think he put like headphones on or something and cranked up the music. And uh, somehow he figures he gets in his truck, drives down to the ocean. Now, for those of our listeners who've never been up there. Uh, there's a certain area where you, you can still hear the mortars firing uh, where you're surfing, right? Okay. So, so he gets to the ocean. The mortar range is still off in the distance. He can still kind of hear it. He's still freaking out a little bit. Hmm. Um, but he musters up enough courage to get in the water. So he gets in the water. He's there looking at, at his surfboard. He gets in the water. He's still freaking out. People are giving him a little kind of strange look. Mm -hmm. He paddles out. He's still freaking out. And then he catches a wave, hmm. right? right? And, and this calm of emotion just kind of comes over him. Wow. He's like, all right, it's not that bad. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And he's just talking to himself. I can do this. I can do this. Wow. I can do this. And then he catches another wave. And then another wave. The mortar range is still firing in the background off in the distance. He can still hear it. But then this calm of emotion just washes over him completely. And he's wow. fine. Wow. And still to this day, Scott, still to this day, that mortar range no longer affects him. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So when it fires off, when it fires off, uh, you know, he used to run to his closet every single time. Jeez. He's fine. He's fine. It's incredible. So where do you, I mean, one of my all time favorite stories. That story's so powerful. And, um, powerful comma there's so much need out there where where do you see this going being back to the futuristic part of you where do you yeah. see one more wave going are you going to get into one more golf because that's what i'm interested in <laughs> <laughs> well right now right now our small our team is small but our yeah. team is mighty our yeah. team is mighty we're so niche we're such a small organization but right now uh, we're, we're slowly just focusing on building our boards. We have about 60 individuals in the pipe right now that we're okay. ranking on all of their customers. That's a ton. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we're actually just right now focused on them and them alone and getting them their equipment as soon as possible. So all hands are on deck working on that, uh, trying to make sure that we get their equipment to them as soon as possible so they can be surfing. 
What's your uh, primary need of, in the midst of that? Is that is that funding for that? Is that logistics? Yeah. yeah. So so simultaneously, we're focused on fundraising, and we're about to go into our fundraising season, as yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so we're really focused on fundraising. We got some great events coming up this fall, hmm. uh, as well as a big fundraiser we're going to be doing up in San Marcos and Veterans Day uh, weekend. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's hmm. going to be at Urge. Urge Gastro yeah. Pub, Mason, awesome. Mason Ale Works. Check this out. Mason Ale Works, their, their in-house brewery, they've got yeah. distro with BevMo. Huh. They're going to be releasing uh, one more wave IPA. What? Yeah. That's crazy. So, so that day, uh, I think it's uh, November 10th, okay. we're going to be up there for a big event, uh, a fundraising event while simultaneously wow. uh, a release party for the one more wave beer. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be so, there. Your school will be there. Yeah. <laughs> better be, better be. Better. It's a Saturday. So no excuses. Yeah. No excuses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saturday veterans day weekend. We're excited. So okay. as well as we got some other good events coming up, we're doing the Ert Ert Womp, which is a body surfing uh, competition that we're with all the proceeds and benefits going to one more wave. And that's going to wow. be next month. Okay. Uh, September 16th, um, you know, and we also are doing holes for heroes, uh, next, next month okay. on the 14th. I mean, we got some great events coming up. Yeah. Holes for heroes, golf. There you go. That's a good go. Hey, I, you know, I don't know how long ago this was but a year ago, plus or minus, but, uh, maybe the last question is you, you guys were Starbucks famous for more than a hot minute, maybe 50 yeah. minutes. Tell, was, tell me about that, because that is that still available that film to watch? Yes, absolutely. Okay. If you just if you just YouTube or Google uh, Wave to Recovery Starbucks, okay. okay, Wave to Recovery Starbucks, it'll pop right up. We'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I love. Yeah. I mean, I, I go to Starbucks five times a day sometimes for work, and every place I went, there's a little table tent with you and Alex on there. I'm like, hey, I know these guys. I know these guys. I just talk to strangers. I'd be in the line. I'm like, hey, I know these guys. It was so fun, I'm man. Cool. It was so cool and humbling the entire time because we'd get you know a text from someone in Tennessee or yeah. Miami or Manhattan. Wow. I had my buddies in Times Square send me a picture of our table tent. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was really cool. Did I ever tell you how that actually came to be? No. So our buddy, David Vibora, who runs Adaptive Training Foundation down in Texas, he was featured on their year one. Okay. Uh, Upstander series. Okay. So they called him up and were like, hey, David, you know, one of our stories just dropped out. We're not going to be doing it. It was last minute. And uh, do you have any other veteran? We're looking for a veteran really? uh, story. And Dave's like, God bless him. Thank you. Thank you, David. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> yeah. He goes, oh, look no further. Let me call Buck. He, he calls <laughs> me up. He calls me up. He goes, hey, dude, can you talk? Can you talk right now? I'm like, yeah, dude, what's up, man? And he tells me the whole story. And he's like, you got to take this phone call. Can I have him call you? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> So, so we're all excited. And then Alex and I are like, oh, crap. Uh, hey, hold on. Everybody time out. We've got to do some backside due diligence on this. Mm -hmm. We've got to make sure our admiral and our chain of command is okay oh, yeah. with this. Still active duty. Because uh, <laughs> we're still active duty. <laughs> and, 
And if you're gonna, this is a little table, public. And if you're gonna put table tennis <laughs> at Starbucks in Times Square that says Navy Seal, I think our admiral should know. So we're like, hey, hold on, let us verify that we're okay to do this. So we did, and we went through the proper channels and made sure that uh, everyone was okay with us. Because um, you know. you guys are trying to go undercover somewhere, and there's an ISIS <laughs> dude saying, I think I saw that guy at Starbucks once. <laughs> well, Alec, Alex and I had both, we were right at that point where we were both uh, getting ready to retire. Okay. So uh, we it's knew close enough. Neither, neither one of us was going to be operational anymore, yeah. so we were both like, okay. Cool. In terms of personal, individually, yeah. like we were like, you know, it's we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're done. It's too late. Uh, we don't think Trump's giving me a ring saying, I need you right now. <laughs> Got a mission, should you choose. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm so thrilled about One More Wave. Uh, it's onemorewave.net. We'll put it in our show notes for sure. And for people to get plugged in and involved, it's an, it's an absolute no-brainer. And not only do you obviously get to see these people that you serve, give them the equipment, give them the ability to get back in the water and the waves, but... I know from knowing you, it does so much for you. And that's that's kind of the irony of this, it's not about you theme. When you put others first, you actually get served. So put other people's interests ahead of yours and watch what happens in your life. So Kyle, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been an honor and a privilege. I hope the listeners got something out of it. If not, <laughs> we're going to get time. Who cares? Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, hey, if I could give one last plug yep. real quick, onemorewave.net. Just Google One More Wave. We've got plenty of ways to get involved if anyone's interested. Great. You can volunteer, donate your time, donate your money. Uh, obviously, we'd love that money. But yeah. um, also, you know, there's other ways too. You know, uh -huh. just by being a fundraiser, you could start mm -hmm. a fundraising campaign on our website, or you could just use Amazon Smiles. Cool. Or you can go on our website and buy some swag. 100% of those proceeds go back to our mission, back it's to our program. It's my so favorite buy, some, buy a hat, buy a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it's it. got easy. some lady stuff on there too. So thank you. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, buddy. All right, take All right, care. Pal. Take care. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Use Goal Podcast. You can find other episodes like this one, as well as a bunch of other free resources for students, parents, schools, athletes, and veterans on our website, theuseful.com. Remember, it's your story. Don't let anybody else write it. <laughs>